Hello, welcome to Love Alexi. My name is Alexi Wasser. I am your host, and this is my podcast. And today's episode is brought to you by Sinai Intoxicants. Now, let me explain to you what Sinai Intoxicants is all about. So, here's the deal Sinai is a Los Angeles based perfumer. She's been making perfumes for over 10 years. She's worked with super cool brands and people like Father John Misty, Bonnie Prince Billy, Gold Diggers Hotel, Rookski, and just so many more. She has a line of natural perfumes, uh, of which I am a huge fan of. She has a new store in Los Feliz, and now what she's been doing is she started curating these very fun, highbrow, intimate perfume-making workshops. Uh, I've been to them. They're fantastic. Uh, Let me explain. So these workshops, these perfume workshops that she throws, they're designed to help guide you in making a super special, unique, custom perfume just for you. Can you believe this? This is the dream. I made my own custom perfume at one of Sinai's workshops. I love it. I'm going back for more. So she throws these workshops. uh, And let me tell you, this is a great date idea. Guys, these workshops are not just for women. All right? You should come. Bring a friend. Take a date there. Whoever, whoever, wherever, whenever. My point is, I'm already off track. Uh, These workshops are fantastic. There's Prosecco. There's rosé, there are snacks, and then there's custom perfume for you and learning about the science of making a perfume. But it's not all like super sciencey. It's super fun and casual and just like, it's a blast. Anyway, the next workshop is this coming Tuesday, July 30th, 7 to 9 p.m. at her shop in Los Feliz, as well as the following Tuesday, August 6th from 7 to 9 p.m. But here's the deal. You can't just walk in off the street not having made uh, a plan. You got to reserve your spot ahead of time so you don't miss out on all the fun and the excitement of an IRL curated real life experience. So in order to reserve your spot, go to sinaiintoxicants.com. Once again, that's sinaiintoxicants.com. You click on events and then that will take you to the Eventbrite page with all the info. Uh, and you here's something really special, all right? If you use the code LOVEALEXI, you'll get 15% off any of her upcoming classes. Plus, I'm going to be at all the classes, so then we can hang, we can have a chat, we can catch up on everything you're going through and whatever and make new friends and hug and compare smells and scents and you know see who makes the better perfume, even though it's subjective. How dare you? Anyway... Follow Sinai Intoxicants on Instagram at Sinai Intoxicants. And uh, just to make this super easy for you, all these links, all this information I just gave you, it's all going to be, it's all available to you in the show notes section of today's episode. So definitely check that out. And uh, yeah, I, uh, I'll see you at all the workshops. I'm excited. Okay. Now, the episode just gets better. Today, my guest is clinically trained craniosacral therapist, Atma Livpriya. All right. Uh, Atma is a dream. She's, she's, a, she's a healer. 
She's magical. Um, I've, I've worked with her. She, I, I had a session with her. I'll tell you about that in a moment. We talk all about that in this very long episode. So I should just really just throw us over to our conversation, but let me just tell you a few pivotal things. All right. About Atma. Okay. So at first I was like craniosacral therapy. What's that? Well, now I know, and I'm going to explain it to you real quick so you have some framework so as you enter this episode, you know what it is that Atma does. You understand the service that she provides, the work that she does. So she, she's a healer, and uh, she's a craniosacral therapist, and her work involves establishing a connection and communication with your body so that she can release and unwind trauma uh, that's stuck in your system and it gives your nervous system the opportunity to reset. So what she does is she removes blocks and distortions stuck in your body and uh, by doing that, it, it allows for you to soften and release. And she has all these services she provides at her practice in Los Angeles. It's incredible. I'm just going to give you the rundown really quick. What I did, I did something called raindrop technique. Um, it's... It was life-changing. I, I walked out of her office. I, I say all of this in the show, but whatever. How dare you? Leave me alone. I just have to... It was, it, was a special, it was special enough for me to want her to be on my show to explain to you uh, the service she provides and the work that she's doing. So yeah, I had a raindrop, raindrop technique uh, session with her. She also offers uh, individual craniosacral therapy sessions. She provides a four-week to eight-week wellness program. I think a four-week and an eight-week wellness program that addresses blocks and specific trauma that you want to move beyond. If you go to her website, she provides additional tools and exercises through uh, the journal section of her website. For those of you who want to integrate the work even further, you want to experiment, you want to expand beyond, you know, just go to her website. Uh, Just go there, lose yourself for a while. You're going to love it. Get all the info uh, to learn more about what she does. You can book a session on her website. Um, Go to atmalivepriya.com. Follow her on Instagram at Nanaki. And uh, man, we just go on a, on a tangential journey. We talk about a million different things. Uh, we talk about Atma's craniosacral therapy and energy medicine practice. Duh, of course we do. Um, because who better to explain what she does than Atma herself? Because I think I just botched it a moment ago, but I'm going to try to be more gentle with myself. Uh, I'm not perfect. I am a work in progress. Anyway, we talk about a million different things. We talk about the limitless, the limitless let me take that back the limitless potential of the quantum field. We talk about crystal biomats. I mean, who doesn't want to talk about crystal biomats for days? We talk about auras, purpose, boundaries, friendships, reparenting and reprogramming yourself, detoxing, human potential, end of life transitioning, the power of wearing all white, and so much more is what we talk about. All with the backdrop of a leaf blower. You know, just adding texture and artifact to the episode. So you're welcome. Uh, Thank you to uh, whoever was operating that uh, leaf blower at, uh, you know, the the perfect time at the very 
moment Atma sat down to record my podcast with me. Anyway, listen, I'm going to throw us over to the episode, but all I want to say about my week is uh, it's an inferno in Los Angeles. I'm grateful and I'm also wanting to complain. Uh, I don't have air conditioning in all of my apartment, only in my bedroom. It's really loud. I think it's probably from the 70s. I don't know what's going on. I am sweating to death as I record this intro, but it's wonderful for my skin and I think it's also a great detox. And... Uh, as far as my week is concerned, I, no spoilers. I would never do that to you because I'm not that kind of person. I can't stand when people give out spoilers uh, of movies. All I'm going to say is I just saw Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I saw it uh, at the Cinerama Dome in Hollywood, and it was fucking incredible. Uh, so run, don't walk. You will not regret it. Anyway... Listen, if you want to advertise on this podcast, on the Love Alexi podcast, all you have to do is send me a direct message on Instagram at Alexi Wasser. Uh, if you like this show, subscribe on iTunes, rate the show, leave a comment. And you know what? Now that that's all been said, sit back, relax, and enjoy my conversation with craniosacral therapist, Atma Livpriya. Hello. Okay, yes, we are recording. It is all happening. I'm sweating profusely. Um, I probably just want to have a girly gossip for a second before. I had friends staying here, and then I, I just got here today, so I just tidied up really quick to try to get ready for you to come on the show. So I'm like, uh, I need a manicure. I'm a little all over the place, but I'm glad we can settle into this conversation on my couch, and I'm glad you're here. Bravo. <laughs> um, I'm here with Atma Lefpria, and tell me everything, because I... I Tell me what you do. Like, tell me what you're all about. Where, where, to, where to begin? Exactly. Um, and I keep this as close to your mouth as possible. It's like as if you're a, a rapper or something. Lovely. Okay, okay. So, yeah, I mean, I, I opened up a craniosacral practice uh, about nine months ago. And the way that I jumped into this world was really about just, you know, finding new practices and new ways to heal myself. And in the process of me... Um, figuring out these capacities, I, I realized that this wasn't really about uh, me holding this wisdom and holding this knowledge. I really needed to uh, step my game up and how do I bring this awakening? How do I bring these uh, way of, of, of meeting my body and working through these programs and traumas and life stories and ways that I've identified with and, and, and create a service and create an offering for people to meet themselves in that way. What is craniosacral therapy? So, because I had a session with you, mm-hmm. and we'll talk about that in a minute, but I know that I left there because I'm always kind of spastic. I have a very like, kind of energy to me. Um, but I remember I was particularly wound up on the day I, I, I was having a moment, like, or a week or a month or whatever. And then I, when I walked into your space, I just felt like whatever happened there, I walked out so much lighter. I actually mm-hmm. felt like I, I don't know, I just, uh, something shifted in the ether. Yeah. Or, yeah. And uh, so I want to break, I really do want to break it down because 
I, I had a session with you. It was the most beautiful, magical, lovely thing in the entire world. I'm telling everybody I know who will listen, yeah. you got to go. Oh my goodness, you got to do this thing. You know, we had a chat. Then she lays me down on a biomat. Then she's, uh, you know, putting uh, formulated special, uh, you know, essential oils formulated just for me all over my body and whispering something and or to, to, uh, saying something. I, I'm not quite sure I understood what she said, but she said the thing. I walk out of there and all of a sudden, you know... I was just lighter, happier, and I felt like I wasn't being haunted by like whatever misery was trailing me prior to me meeting you. And I felt like I met you at the perfect time in my life. It was not an accident. Like that, that you know, I I, Mm -hmm. divine time. Yeah, it was perfect. Divinely guided to each other. But I still don't know exactly what happened or what you did. So I want you to break it down, spoon feed it to me and my listeners, like we're little babies with our frontal lobes just forming. Take us through it step by step. What is it that you do? And and I want to know what all of the service is, and then we'll go to your backstory. So the treatment that we did was raindrop technique. Raindrop which definitely technique. incorporates craniosacral therapy and other energy medicine practices. And I think baseline what takes place in a session is we remove the energetic debris that you have acquired, anything that you've started to overload your system with. Um, absorbing other people's frequencies, absorbing, you know, the, the going about your regular day and just having to, not being able to discharge these experiences or life experiences. Um, you know, when, when you come to a session, I, I speak to your body and I get in touch with your nervous system. And, and it's a way, raindrop technique is the first way if somebody has never... created a line of communication with their energetic body that we establish communication. And I give you an opportunity to tangibly experience the essence of you. And so you being able to kind of drop into that stillness and then wake up and feel refreshed and not feel like you are carrying that load or carrying that experience or carrying that resonance, you know, you... It's, you, you're shedding it. You're able to kind of literally, it's an energetic shedding of, of something that doesn't serve you anymore. And when, you know, by being able to kind of come to these sessions and just show up and do the work, like your body's able to reset. And the nervous system is a, is a powerful control center. Um, and we have, to, we, have to, we have to nurture it. And that's, you know, definitely, definitely a part of, of, of raindrop and, and craniosacral therapy. And how do you establish communication? Like, what is the, like, how, how does it uh, unpack it? So you, we have a chat. Mm-hmm. We, like, I come into your space, mm-hmm. into your office, and it's beautiful, it's clean, it's sparse, it's light, it's bright. And then tell me more. So I, I look at, I give you an in, intake form. Oh, yeah. I, I fill request that a certain type of astrological information from you. So I want to know birth time, birth location, um, to be able to kind of use some of the astrological aspects to read how energy is showing up, not only in your the legacy of your family history, but then also, then also I want to look at the transits that are taking place currently in the cosmos, and the cosmos being not only you know, the, the celestial body of the universe, but then also how is that reflecting back into your body, your, your cosmic body? We start with dialogue. 
you know, I, I kind of intuitively, you know, before, before you come into a session, I do a reading on you. So I kind of tap into your energetic body based on the information that you give to me. Really? Yeah. Oh my goodness. How do you do that? Do you just get still? You know, it's a, yeah. It's like a, it's, it's an invoking. It's a, you know, I mean, we're, we're energy and we, you, we can open up the field to be able to step into somebody's um, energetic signature. So what you've experienced in this lifetime, I'm able to, and, and all of us are able to uh, read that resonance of each other. And we, if we're not trained to know when we are picking up on that resonance, then you know it's like we just absorb it and we hold on to it. It's like the story of my whole life. And now I'm trying to pay more attention to like, okay, this is how I feel when I'm around this person. Exactly. I don't want to hang out with them anymore. Exactly. But then also I've tried to look at like, but sometimes it's just me not feeling enough. So either I'm not ready to hang out with this person. I get confused sometimes. I'm like, are they wrong for me? Are we wrong for each other? Is it that my self-worth isn't aligned with theirs or something? Or or are they just mean? And I don't know. I get confused at how much is it me and my responsibility or they're just wrong for me. And that's a beautiful awareness even just to be in because, you know, you have to realize that every every experience or every person that comes into your life is a is a lesson for you. And it's either a lesson for you to um, kind of like spirit or source showing you like, look, look how far you've come. You know, you're not triggered by this person like complaining about this or behaving in this certain way because you've already worked through that. Yeah. If you are triggered, then, oh, okay, that's kind of spirit or source then telling you, oh, maybe this is a moment for me to expand and work through something a little bit more. Yeah. Yeah. So how do you know? So ideally no one would bother you? For you, boundaries. That's where it's like the person who has the most compassion for others is where you're able to establish the 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 best boundaries for yourself energetically. Um you know, because we, what do you feed yourself? Because it's not, it's not just about food and a diet, but what are you feeding yourself energetically, emotionally? Like, what are you, you know, within the digital landscape oh, that we God. live in? Oh, no. You know, it's an endless scroll of, of, of comparisons and judgments and... Oh, it's um, true. Reality it's heavy. And reality television. Exactly. I've, been, I've been thinking about that. I, I don't eat very well. I watch a lot of mindless garbage. I don't drink enough water. I'm just trying. I've been thinking. I just want to do something new. I want to. I want to. I, I have. A, I want to make a new plan for myself. A, you know, a life approach or something. Because you are. You are digesting that. You're metabolizing all those different frequencies and transmissions of energies. And you realize it's like you, Alexi, the dense, you know, physical flesh suit. Alexi is is perceiving this. Is witnessing this. Then you have your 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 higher self that you might have seen something on TV and it. Your higher self is like, oh, okay, that, that, or your inner child, that they're from an old wound doesn't sit well with you. And it turns into this distortion that's now attached. But then you continue to watch it, you know, not listening to that, you know, part of your stomach that's beginning to like cringe and you can't quite turn off the TV yet because you want to know what happens next. And then it creates this full metabolic chemical reaction and your amygdala sets up, you know, and it's like, then panic strikes and your brain doesn't know that you're just watching 
reality TV, it thinks there's a saber-toothed tiger next to you and you got to yeah. like run for your life. I was reading, you know, I, now, I, I used to just not pay attention to any of the, the news at yeah. all, but now I'll look in, on Twitter and I'll look at the news. That's how I get my news just from t- Twitter. Yes. Uh, and there's this horrible story. I probably shouldn't repeat it if it's a negative thing. Maybe that'd be better. But I'm going to say it anyway because I'm not as evolved as we'll, we'll you or a lot of people. Afterwards. Let's clear the field afterwards. But it was a hashtag RIP Bianca. I don't know if you saw this. Mm-hmm. Better you didn't, but I'm still telling you. Uh, but it was about this guy, something that happened yesterday, this young teenager or boy uh, was obsessed with some girl on Instagram drove to where she had you hear this story yes, yes. he drove to where she was i didn't get I, and and then i think he beheaded her on instagram and i read about it and i think the pictures were somewhere online i did not look at the pictures i was terrified they would accidentally pop up and i just remember like reading this story being like i'm reading this story this really happened and i was just imagining the boy the guy instagramming him on his way to go meet up with her and he was like instagram I didn't watch it, but I was just imagining it. It was just like a horror film. It was just like so horrible. And I, and it just sat in me and I went, oh my God, this is making me feel, and, and it should, of course it makes me feel a certain way, but I also feel so, uh, um, what is the word? I feel so numb to things, to so many things nowadays. Maybe it was, it, it was interesting to feel so peculiar, you know, in my body. And then, I didn't even repeat it. I read this, you know, quietly to myself, experiencing all this in my own head. And I didn't tell my boyfriend this morning because I just thought, ugh, I didn't want, I didn't want to infect him with it. But now I'm infecting all my listeners and you with it. But it, it, it was just so, uh, yeah, so now that's in my psyche and, I'm, it's a, and it's so dark and scary and sad and oof. Yeah, and exactly how you were able to point, it's, it's in your psyche. It, it embossed itself. You know, it's like you're, it embosses a biological imprint a neurological imprint, a an an imprint on your nervous system. Yeah, you know, and it's like that's where let, now let's throw on paying the bills and being stuck in traffic and you know dealing with just life circumstances. It's an overload. It's an overload of all these different layers, and your body has to choose. Okay, what should I discharge first? What do I need to like? What's going to help me get back to center? So the body is incredible with compensating. And, you know, I think it's in that compensating that we also aren't always addressing those kind of deeply seated parts of ourselves that really need, um, that need tending to. How do we compensate with? How do we compensate? Yeah, is it with, is it with uh, ignoring alcohol, yeah, sex, it's eating? Spiritu- spiritual bypassing, I think, oh, is what in is itself. Spir- spiritual bypassing is probably the most damaging because here we are, you know, Think of yourself cruising at an altitude of 35,000 feet and, you know, the, the engines, you know, things are kind of falling apart. The engine's not really running properly, but, um, you know, like we can be dysfunctional. There can be all these kind of dysfunctional parts of us, but yet we're just go, 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 keep going forward. We have to keep going. We have to keep moving ahead. There's not our ability to be still with ourselves, our ability to just find that that center within our mind where we are not busying ourselves with what doesn't 
busying ourselves with mindless acts or, you know, just, uh, let me, let me take that. No, you're great. Our bodies, our bodies are a recording device, you know, and so much of our, our, of our childhood and, um, growing up is, is very much about these programs or people telling you, you know, you cannot, um, you can't do that for, for this particular reason or, you know, and our parents bless them. They have their own programs of what they have. So our bodies are recording systems. Our bodies are recording systems. Our, it records the autobiography of our life within the tissue, within our organs. And just because we think that we have healed ourselves from, you know, that, that, that surgery or that, that relationship or, um, there's still, there's still an imprint and, and just like that relationship existed and, and was living, those experiences are still living within your body. So how do I, and when I go to you, what are, what are all the things that you, all the services, all the, the, yeah, I don't even know. know what so when you're on the table, I work with your inner child. You do? Yeah. Okay. So, I mean, because that's where all of our, our wounds stem from, the parts of ourselves that weren't seen, weren't heard, weren't loved enough, weren't given the, the structure, the boundaries, um, the ability to say, no, I don't want that. Um, you know, so the inner child is where we want to address that, where that hurt comes from. Um, and so I, I invoke the inner child to come through. Um, there's a lot of, you know, prayer with just being able to kind of allow the, your being to express itself in whatever capacity. And that, you know, I know that sounds very ephemeral, um, but I step into a field where the, the realms become quite blurry. And it is a removing of these, of an echo or a broken record that has just been living within your tissue. And, and it feels like, it feels like density. It almost feels like this like wave of energy of being able to like find those particular points on your body or putting your, putting, you know, putting you in a particular cranial hold where, you know, yeah, like I'm administering a mechanical release of your tissues to soften from your from your spine but then in that in that releasing you're also unwinding this trajectory of trauma and allowing your body to kind of you know it's like the tissue reorganizes itself and when the nervous system then has that opportunity to reset and reorganize itself it's like you you aren't holding on you aren't tense that those those knots in your back or that distortion that's stuck in your heart or that block that's in the pit of your stomach is not there anymore because we you're taking the moment to to melt into your midline and how often do you give yourself that moment to just sink into that part of yourself that is able to soften and release. It was, you know, it, it's so crazy because it's not crazy at all, actually. But uh, before I came into my session uh, with you, mm-hmm. when I was getting ready, I said, 
I said, I wonder if she's tapping into my, my, into whatever you would call it, into if she's, if she's, if she's tapping into my, yeah, if, if she's tapping into my field right now and I felt that you were, but I went, oh no, maybe I'll ask her later. I'm not sure. I'm just imagining this, but like, I truly did feel that. Mm. And then, uh, I was like, oh, maybe I'm, maybe I'm wrong, but, uh, why wouldn't she be tapping into me right now? That's what I thought. <laughs> I thought if I were her, I, I'd be tapping into me. But uh, yeah, but I really did think you were. And to hear that you were so nice makes me feel like I've got some kind of uh, intuition. Yeah, that's your sensitivity. Absolutely. Like that's your, um, you know, we have, we, have, we have this capacity. We have these abilities to be so sensitive and and even even in our visual capacity of what we of what we see is is very limited. Oh really? Oh, Why? Yes. How come? Well, I mean, you know, we are we see with a projection that's limited by the five senses of this body. Yeah. And you know, even within the the evolution even of our eye, you know, we have actually lost um capacity to, to bring in information from the external portion of our eye, which are the rods. And that is where the peripheral information comes into play. When you're able to kind of pull in other modes of inf- informa- information, but specifically from uh, that peripheric edge, you, you know, how often do you hear people like, I think I just saw something from the corner of my eye. Yeah. All the time. (laughs) You are sensing these other realms, these other energetic signatures that are around us all the time. Um, Are you in a relationship right now? Yes. Does he have anything to do with this kind of world or work? You know, my, my husband actually introduced me to the craniosacral therapist that I ended up, you know, he became my mentor and... From there, was after six months of going to him, it wasn't about me. Just I am like I needed to do this too. Oh, so he's really? very much he's he he has the language. He practices it. Oh wow! When it comes to talking about oh hey babe, I just you know saw this being come down the stairs. He doesn't want to know about he it. He doesn't no. wait, but he got you. He suggested this craniosacral craniosacral therapist yes. that he just happened to have gone to. Yes. But he's not in this business? No, he's not. No, I mean, he, he had actually... What? Uh, there were about three different sinus surgeries he had to go through. And the only person that was able to relieve him and heal him from the condition that he was experiencing was this doctor. Oh, my goodness. Because it wasn't about the symptoms that kept showing up. And that's so common how our healthcare system works. It's like, okay, like, you know, yes, you are... Your body's expressing hypertension. Your body's expressing this this rash. But I'm going to just treat the rash, or I'm going to treat you know. Yes, your your heartbeat's at a you know much more rapid pace. But why does it do that? Yeah. What is the root of that? You know. So being able to kind of like peel back those layers, I think that's where that that dialogue and that resonance of being able to invoke those energies and those old stories of what's living inside you that has then created this distortion for then your body to express this rash on your arm. How long would if I have a session? I had my raindrop therapy session with you and I felt lovely and light and great and shifted, but then how many do you need and how often do you shift right back to how shitty you were before? <laughs> Just kidding. Totally. Yeah, because we have our holding patterns. Yeah. And 
and that's where, you know, I like to give people homework, give people exercises, so then they're able to integrate, they're able to apply, they're able to empower themselves uh, with a practice that is then able to, with, with, where they establish communication, where they establish that uh, a ritual. For themselves. For themselves. And it's going back to the husband situation. Yes, yes. I, just, I always ask that because I feel like, uh, you know, if he wasn't into what you're doing or didn't understand it, that would be so... Uh, Mind you, I was a fashion designer when he met me. Oh, really? I was not... This was not my world. Like, I kind of dabbled in, yeah. you know, the, the esoteric world. I was studying Kabbalah. So it's like, yes, the... You know, I was, you know, did transcendental meditation. But it's like, you know, it was always these kind of very... I felt I was integrating. I clearly was, you know, still on a very particular path of trying to figure out, like, wh- where, where did I need to go? Yeah. Because um, I feel like men aren't usually into this. Like, if I talk about, I, I mean, I've, just, I've gotten my boyfriend into the pattern, which is just an app, an astrology app that is just silly and fun or whatever, but I really like it. But I just feel like all men have to kind of deal with women, especially in Los Angeles, talking about astrology. And I don't mean to be gender specific, but it's like astrology and crystals and Erewhon and like, you know, so especially with what you do, if you're like a healer and you're practicing this work and you want to talk about all these things or this is just who you are and it's the language you speak. Yeah. And he met you when you were doing fashion. So, so was that ever like an issue where you didn't feel like understood or? No, no. I mean, I think, you know, I think how we came to each other was, you know, we were both happy being single and, you know, like being with each other was more just, okay, like how do we nurture each other? How do we support each other in whatever type of growth and expansion that needed to, to look like? Yeah. We were just joking the other day. He was like, I, when we got together, he's like, I didn't sign up for this. I didn't know you were going to, you know, it's like, because here I am, you know, like coming home and like talking about these, you know, pretty extreme encounters. You didn't talk about mine though. That's personal. I'm just kidding. No, you can talk about it. <laughs> hey, you know, wait a minute. But no, but these encounters, <laughs> like visual encounters that I experienced. Yeah. You know, so like for him to actually, you know, know that I'm experiencing reality or, or having this, you know, piercing the realm in a way, he was just like, I don't understand it, but you know, I, I believe you. And here I am now going to my mentors and teachers to get confirmation. It's like, is this what's supposed to be happening? Because why is it that this white mist shows up? Oh my goodness. You know, in a room. Why does it feel like, you know, the, the plants are saying hello to me or the carpet almost turns liquid? Is this true? You know, this is what happens? Oh yeah. So that's, yeah. On a daily basis? You step into the quantum field and where the, the, the potential of the quantum field is limitless. So here we are. You have to imagine that, you know, I'm sitting in front of you. We have, you know, the, the, we have the form of this microphone in our hand, but this microphone is really just this like vibrating, oscillating, you know, particles that just happen to vibrate in this particular way to take form in this microphone. And so our brain also has to now uh, process all this information, but needs to process it in a manner that is digestible for us to comprehend, you know. When I'm in session or when I'm practicing, you know, how to read more these energetic signatures that is available to us, you know, it, it's a lot of questioning. Like, what, what, am, 
what exactly am I looking at? What exactly am I feeling? Um, you know, like I can, you can be staring at a plant and all of a sudden the aura of a plant begins to come through and the phosphorescent changes because the intelligence of that plant now recognizes that you are witnessing it in a new type of reality. It can notice you noticing it? Oh, yeah. Oh, my goodness. How's my plant doing? We're both looking at she's my plant. She's happy. Is she? Yeah, she's lovely. She's a she? She is a she. I love it. Oh, my God. Wait, what a more interesting... What a, it's so much more interesting to <laughs> navigate the world the way you see it. Completely. Yeah. I only have ever seen the world like that on mushrooms or DMT, which I didn't even get that exciting. So even... So even <laughs> so, I mean, so even to kind of take things, you know, Tell to, me everything. to a beautiful level, it's like, you know, how many lifetimes we have to, to process in order for us to come into this form, into the consciousness to be able to experience a human form. Your a piece of paper, a couch, these are all, this is, this is its experience in this lifetime. Yeah. You know? Uh, how many experiences as a paperclip do you have to get to before you turn into a candle? So it's great that we're, is this a, a higher form to oh, we are, be yes, in? We oh, are, yeah. We are. And so, but, how, but then how do, we, how do we awaken the consciousness within us to be able to push beyond the limits that our mind and our ego holds us to? Yeah, I need to do that. I need to do that because I feel like I'm just uh, sleepwalking through life. I used to not be, and then I, I was aware I was, and then I stopped, and then I'm doing it again. You know, even noticing that that there's a feeling of you sleepwalking through life in itself is your awakening of the consciousness telling you that there's more to how you're experiencing. Well, I'm so sluggish. Well, I'm glad about that. I, I, I just, you know, I don't want to snap out of it, but I just feel so, I don't know if it's a lot of people going through this and whatever but I feel sluggish. I feel like I just don't want to do anything. I just want to take in all the content, if you will, everywhere and just like, but I also want a lot for myself. And I know I feel my best when I'm making stuff, when I hook into like whatever my my purpose is, whatever I have, because I have stuff to contribute. And that feels the best. It feels the best when I am doing that. But to do that is so difficult. But then this is part of it too. I love having conversations with, with fascinating people. I love that maybe people who are listening... I know for sure people who are listening will be moved by this or affected in their own way. So that's anyway, but I, yeah, I would like to wake up more and I feel like you have all the secrets and I want you to tell me. I'm still learning them. I'm tell still me. learning them. I mean, there, you know, but there's also a, you know, like you following your Tao, you being able to kind of step into that, that Dharma of like what feeds you, you know, like when we encounter these moments of anxiety and leth- le- being lethargic about life, that's, that's where your auric field, your, your higher self is, is trying to call your attention. Like the intelligence of your higher self is, is it hasn't been tended to, so you feel those restrictions around you. You know, why consciousness has chosen this human form to come into this life and experience life in this way, I don't know. But, you know, for us to be able to kind of push the, the mental parameters that we impose ourselves, that culture imposes on us, on us as well, um, what are we feeding, you know, from 
the Instagram accounts that we follow. Well, I got hacked and I unfollowed yes. all these people. Everybody, I follow nobody. And so, and I actually feel kind of happy about that because I used to be judgmental about people who didn't follow anyone. Oh, they think they're, oh, they're not following anybody. But now I'm like, oh my God, I'm free. Yes. I'm free. Yes. <laughs> There's like, right. Because I mean, how much, you know, like people really do need to censor and edit What's coming that in? Feed and that scroll. But you, I mean, you should have an unmitigated adulation of love seeping into you, not telling you, you know, you need to be doing this and having this type of wedding and this type of, you know, yeah. yoga pose. Because med- health and wellness does not look like you going up to Malibu Canyon, you know, finding Gion Mudra and, you know, or. I mean, there's. I love Malibu, though. I do love Malibu. Love Malibu. You yeah. know, you know, have the. But there's these very kind of like Kodak yeah. Instagrammable moments, and that's the that that's not it. So what is it about? What is it? Because I feel like so you were on one path, mm-hmm. and then I want to get back. We have to talk about every modality that you practice within your within your practice. Yes. The things you practice in your practice. Uh, what? Because you were in the fashion world. Mm-hmm. You were living one way. You trans, and then you had an awakening or an epiphany or something. You just, you know, and now this is what you're doing. Are you happy? Yes. You are happy. Yes. There was, I think, my my particular experience of having to do that 180 of where I was was also realizing and taking accountability and responsibility for all the steps and all the decisions that I made for myself from the relationships, from the friendships that I nurtured that kept me at a very particular point. Because, you know, you realize too that some friendships and relationships that you have are really, they feed you at a certain portion in your life. Yeah. And I think it's very difficult to set those boundaries when you're changing and you don't know how to express that to the people around you. So I think my particular 180 took place when the pain of where I was and really kind of coming to terms with this identity as a jewelry designer, as you know, somebody that wanted to make their imprint on fashion. And then the more work I started to do on myself, I'm like, wait, why do I even want people to consume more stuff? You know, when here I am doing the work on myself and like this is actually bringing me so much more peace than this piece of jewelry that I want, you know, that I think is trending and this girl should have and following those margins. And I'm like, wow, no, no, this is, this is not that she shouldn't be spending her time on this. Yeah. You know, she, because I was designing jewelry. Um, but you know, everybody, the, the potential of, of, of human beings, uh, you know, really relies on that kind of consistent work of reparenting and reprogramming and retelling your story in a way that is authentic to you. I feel like I'm going to get to this point where I'm like, I just want to simplify. I want to get lighter. I want to simplify. I want to, I'm making friends of being happy. Cause I, I always think, you know, and I keep saying this, hearing this phrase, you know, if, if, uh, uh, before you say something, ask yourself, is it kind? Is it necessary? Is it true? Mm-hmm. And then I would say to my therapist who told me uh, about that saying, I would say, well, God, then I wouldn't say anything. Or you know, or what about if it's funny? Because some people are so maybe sarcastic or mean-spirited or just like a little bit jabby with their, with, 
with comedy, but if it's funny, isn't that worthwhile to say? Anyway, I'm trying to, yeah, be kinder because I've fallen in love with this person who is light, is calm, is happy, not boring. And it's so weird that he, uh, I get called every every time I do anything, and I think I get away with some kind of behavior. He calls me out on it because he notices. He notices everything. He's a lot more sensitive than I thought he was, and uh, and it's so weird for me to like be with this like happy, kind person because at first I didn't trust it, and now I I realize, oh wow, this is how he is. And to make f- friends with that is been interesting and just to like go five days by being like happy and thankful and oh my goodness thank you for being kind to another person and it's such a nice feeling but it's so new anyway but I'm trying to like really figure out who I want to have around me who I want to be around yeah and that and that is so shocking to me that like in Los Angeles you think oh I need to be famous or I need to be rich you know I do love money I love money because it makes you not panic and and there's nothing wrong with money. But uh, the people I was hanging out with and, and continue to hang out with where I go, oh, wow, what do they serve? Oh, I could go to a, a party with famous people or they are billionaires. And I go, well, that's fucked up. I don't, I don't need to do this. It doesn't bring me happiness. I don't feel good when I'm with them. I'm not laughing. I'm not, it's just a wrong match. Anyway, so I'm just trying to simplify and get lighter. Yeah. And that's all I had to say. <laughs> And yeah, the com- being finding that compassion for others starts with you. Oh, really? Always starts with you. So you even being able, and th- and that's that's always fun to kind of turn that around on somebody. Like here, you are noticing that you're being more compassionate to other somebody else, but in turn, you're being compassionate with yourself. Oh, because in don't order have a- for you to be compassionate for somebody else. Oh, because I don't have all the sour venom inside of me, the mm. anger inside me, because it hurts me when I'm like. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, no, that's exactly it. And it's so interesting. And sometimes I feel like this incarnation is just so I can learn. It's just meant for me to learn how to love another person and to be loved. And it's just that simple, you know, like, because I think I look around me and I, I know so many people, again, coming back to like being in Los Angeles or whatever, it's any major city. And you can see everybody's life on Instagram that you can compare yourself to. But it's like, you think, uh, where am I even going with this? Oh, you need so much. I don't know. I don't even know. No, because it's the self-worth. It's like, how do you, what can you identify with that's going to make you feel like you are a bigger person? Oh, yeah. You have more than the other. Fame, money. Exactly. Cool, this and that. Oh, yeah, but then really it's like, it doesn't take much. It's like, it doesn't take much to be happy. You know, I I think the, the ego loves... I have, you know, like the more that I have, then that in itself is a a barometer of of how much how much to acquire. Like, what's what what is the house that I have? What's the car that I drive? What's the wardrobe that I have? Because the more that I have, the more that I can collect, the more friends that I can have, then then that means that my worth is this much more. Yeah, you know, and it's. What happens when you don't have that? What happens when you lose all that? Yeah. What does that mean to yourself? That you're How nothing? do you identify that? Exactly. Yeah, but which is that's true. the ego. The ego has to identify. The ego needs needs those constructs to live. And the moment you you release the grip of the ego, the, or the moment that you change the ecology of your mind, 
the ego no longer has those same grips anymore because you're feeding it with a different type of information. Mm. You know, you're almost like you starve the ego from that sugar craving and now you're teaching it how to just give love. What are you feeding it with? You're feeding it with with practice. You're feeding it with finding that moment to just sit in awareness with yourself. Finding it with breath. I think breath, you know, number one is like my first go-to exercise that I give to people because I feel like, you know, even people's relationship with their with their that thoracic adventure that, you know, that takes place within their chest when they do a deep inhale and exhale, you know how often do you find yourself in a stressful circumstance and you're holding your breath? Oh, all the time. That's right? me. I forget to breathe all the time. And the homework assignment you gave me or one of them was, yeah, breathe in four counts, hold it for four counts, mm-hmm. breathe out for least, four counts. Uh-huh. And I do that all the time now. It's just anytime, even when my brain's always going, my brain's always going and I always want to be reactive. And then I notice if I just don't do anything, if I don't say something yes. to, to the boyfriend, if he's annoying me or if I... Or if I'm just like telling myself a story that's not true. It's my relationship to the story, not what's really happening. And right now I've been able to be, for whatever reason, I'm slowing down enough uh, where I can have the the space to go, this is what's happening. This is the story. And that's what I'm upset with. And it's not true. Mm -hmm. And then I don't have to like react out loud, Mm -hmm. you know. Anyway, but yeah, and then I just breathe and I do that a few times and I keep quiet. And then I'm fine. Yeah. Everything's completely yeah. fine. Yeah. It's the training of the mind. It's knowing when, why are you reacting? Where does that reaction come from? Does that reaction come from the emotional charge of you just having to sit through traffic? You know, or maybe this is from a fight that you had with your mom that took place a month ago that you, you're still not on speaking terms. And so this person just set you off because they spoke to you in a certain way with that tone that reminded your mom. Yeah. You know, um, one of my teachers has a, you know, it's always it's a small little story of, you know, it's like you put a dog and a lion in the same room and you throw the stick and the dog is going to run after that stick and he's pumped and he's like, yes, we're playing. I don't know why we're playing, but this is good. We're going to do this. Yes. And I'm going to grab it. And I'm going to run around. I'm going to give you back the stick. And I just want you to like keep throwing it. We could just do this loop over and over again. This is great. Oh no. Yeah. And then you, when you throw the stick, the lion's going to look at the person who throws the stick. The lion wants to understand its environment. The lion wants to know what was the intention of throwing the stick in order for me to make that first move because he's not reactive he takes in he comes from a place of awareness so he wants cool. to absorb the field yeah i love it lion's so cool that's my my spirit yes. animal yeah i remember when i was like uh majestic i was like 18 years old maybe younger i was 18 i was in new york uh and i walked past some woman selling stuff on the street and i found this book conversations with god and then i started listening and then i bought a thing a carolyn meese the anatomy of something or other. I don't know if you've heard of this book. Yeah. And I started listening, reading all these different things. And one of them was like visualization stuff. And I had to visualize my spirit animal. It's always been a lion. Oh, I love it's that. always been a lion. Me sitting on the couch, uh, talking to a lion. Beautiful. Because <laughs> they're so still and regal. And yes. yeah. No, I think, you know, being able to kind of call in, you know, those, those deities and those spirit energies, um, 
into your daily life is a beautiful practice because I think, you know, like that, that sacred play that we had as children is, is powerful. And you, for you to be able to kind of reconnect with that essence, uh, really is always going to bring you back to a place of, of, of doing what's really in your heart. You don't drink, do you? Maybe like once a month. Like, yeah, okay. Like a couple, like a glass of wine. Do you, yeah. What do you think that, uh, what's the effect of alcohol really on, on, on your nervous system and your life in general? Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, Cause, it cause lowers I, your vibration. It lowers your vi- yeah. vibration? It lowers your vibration. Um, it creates inflammation. It's, it's taxing. It's very taxing on the nervous system. It's not good for your gut. Uh-huh. Um, you know, but I... Again, I will, I will, I will still, you know, anybody that comes to my sessions, you know, I've had one friend is like, are you going to tell me to stop drinking? I'm like, I'm not going to tell you to stop drinking, but your body might tell you to stop drinking. Oh yeah. Because, and also you're not supposed to drink, uh, 24 hours in advance, uh, prior to a session with you. Yeah. Yeah. Only before raindrop? Just for raindrop. Raindrop Raindrop. specifically because it's such a, uh, powerful detox to your nervous system and your immune system and that... You know, you're doing a seven day juice cleanse within two hours. Is that so what it is essentially? I mean, what what's taking place to you energetically? And yeah, because from 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 a practitioner's experience, even me just uh, performing raindrop. Uh, this happened. I remember this happened like the first time uh, when I first started doing raindrops. And I probably did like four raindrops in, in a day and had gone out to dinner with a girlfriend later on the evening and had a glass of The following day, that glass of wine felt like it could have been 10. Really? Like it was, it was, it was, and I felt how the energetic load of what it took place on my body. So, and that was just me performing it. You know, so yes, I'm also absorbing the the plant medicine and the essential oils when I'm applying it to your body. But you have to imagine the uh, the the shedding uh, that takes place while you're in session. So you know, you're we've already calibrated your system to now be at a certain frequency. So before the session, maybe your tolerance was like a I don't know, like a three three drinks. You know. After a session, your tolerance will then change because now your uh, your energetic signature and vibration has changed. So when you know before you can do a glass of wine or a martini, uh, if your energetic signature is you know like not in a good place and you want to kind of like numb yourself, disappear and disappear. Um, you know, it's like, that's, that's a pretty like low vibration. And then here we are clearing the field and you are going to go for that same, um, same tolerance intake. No, it's yeah. like your vibration is like operating higher and you're going to hit the ground a lot harder. Oh, I noticed that happen after yeah. our session. I think yeah. I went, you know, cause I'm very tall. I'm almost six feet. And so I will drink like three or more drinks sometimes, mm-hmm. which is not ideal. And I noticed that, yeah, I got tips here a lot quicker. Yeah. I was a lot more sensitive, yeah. but, uh, Yeah. It's uh, and it's so interesting. So even for you, even for you afterwards, yes. you're not supposed to have a drink after the raindrop session either. Twenty four hours, yeah, twenty four hours post Pri- and prior. Oh prior my goodness, God! Mm-hmm. I hope I followed that correctly. Oh God, I definitely did prior. Oh boy, um, I think post as well. It's just I recommend. I recommend that just as a way for your body to 
properly assimilate the changes that we that took place. So, um, and it gives your body a moment to like really just reorganize and settle itself. Yeah. Yeah. So what other um, types of sessions do you offer? Raindrop, raindrop technique. I do individual sessions of craniosacral therapy, raindrop technique. I also offer pediatric craniosacral therapy. I do, I have a, a program as well. So for people that want to really uh, address some trauma and feel like they need a little bit more help, uh, dismantling some of those holding patterns. So maybe, you know, coming for a session once every two months, we might actually need to step into a four-week or eight-week program where I can see you every week and where then I know that you're doing the homework and I'm able to check in with you to make sure that, you know, we're addressing, okay, what's showing up for you? Because, you know, what you what you think you're coming to me by the end of a session, we're going to realize that maybe there's actually something, you know, at the foundation that really needed to be addressed. Um, and so that's where the the programming of the Kintsugi method within a four-week and eight-week period is offered. And I also do a, recently started working with uh, end-of-life patients. Really? Yeah. How does that work? Transitioning somebody uh, through the death process. Oh my goodness! Are they? Uh, do they? Can you unpack that a little bit more? Yeah. So I um, recently, you know, had an experience with a client where, you know, he had uh, somebody had reached out to me, and you know, he had gone through about, you know, I think like six different spinal surgeries, and recently a brain surgery, and he was in a in a moment of his uh, life where you know they really didn't know what avenue to go. They just also wanted to kind of bring him some solace and bring some pain management because he'd been living in a hospital for the past two months. Uh, So, you know, part of my uh, practice is not everybody's able to come to the office. So I, you know, offer that I'm able to go and do, you know, house visits and hospital visits as well. And so just by being able to, you know, do a session on him uh, where I was just doing like polarity and craniosacral therapy for about three hours and mind you he had been unconscious and hadn't been you know hadn't been speaking obviously and after three hours of a session uh his physical therapist had come in his doctors come in his eyes started to wake up um there was more energy I could feel the 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 blueprint of his energy signature started to come back within his body um you know, and during the course, I'm I speak to somebody. I speak to, I speak to that as per regardless that yes. You speak to who? I'm speaking to the inner child. You know, always when I work with somebody. So even though that there's this person that's unconscious, it's like I'm vocally telling him like, okay, this is what we're doing. Here I am. Can you feel this? You know, there's a a directive of working with the field where you know you. There's a directive with working with someone's field that you you need to to guide them in a place, especially when they've been living in an environment where, you know, they're essentially kind of like held hostage to this bed and these kind of preconceived notions of tests and literature that these doctors have read. And, you know, I 
when the physical therapist had come into the room, you know, this client that I was working on, I can see in his eyes, he was kind of beginning to light up. I'm like, do you want to stand up? And I could see, you know, he started to make a fist with his hand. And, you know, there was this, the, the physical therapist and the doctor, they were essentially floored at the fact that three hours of working on being able to kind of re-embody, put his body back, put his spirit back into his body because here he has been experiencing this life of, of sickness around him. Um, and at the end of, you know, end of that session, I mean, his ability to be able to, to talk um, and to communicate oh and take a step, you know, beyond his beyond his bed. Was he was he conscious when you were working on him? Was not, he well, not when I not when I arrived? And he came he came into he, consciousness. Oh my goodness! Yeah. And this is not this is this is the power of this work. You know, this is the the scope of when. You know, I, I I do believe that the human potential is is amazing, and there are things that I've witnessed that Western medicine and most people would just you know just chuckle at that that's just impossible. When I have seen it with my own eyes, that you know this this work really is incredibly validating to the spirit of 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 the human. Um, I remember the following the following day I had heard from this person's spouse and you know they were just shocked at his ability to carry on a conversation usually they've been having somebody just kind of sit vigil um, and essentially babysit him in this process and to be able to have this kind of final conversation with him was really beautiful and here they are really confused now like okay like where do we go from here like is this is he back yeah like is this is this the end of his life or did we make the wrong decisions with the surgery like should we have gone a different route beforehand like there's all these new land this new landscape has presented itself um what did they decide to do so i mean I was I wasn't I, I wasn't a part of this you know conversation. It probably took another week before I had heard, um, and I had presented. I'm like, look, I'm like, I want to work on him more. Like, I think you know, it's also about like removing him from the environment of this. You know, that's not it's not an environment where it's conducive to the spirit really the thriving. thriving. Yeah. Exactly. Oh God. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Um, <laughs> you know, and so I suggest him like just even just relocating him into a place that is. You know, just honoring, honoring him and honoring his recovery. Maybe that's where you want him to go. A garden, yeah. Maybe because here you are. I think you also realize too that within sickness and within disease and within these type of traumatic events, the trauma that the people around them have to witness, and how much of that is also then a projection onto that person. So, it was about a week before I had heard even though that I wanted to, you know, and they had already decided that, you know, that they couldn't do anymore. And um, it was, they wanted me to be able to give him that peace or almost just let him know that, you know, 
this was this was the decision that was going to be made, and uh, it's a it's a uh, a cutting of somebody's life force, you know, just that thread that connects them and binds them binds them to this world and to this body that you're able to release them into into the ethers, and you know, there's a uh, a reconciling of th- that body and the experiences that that body had to um, had to live out for it to now come to this final transition, come to this, you know, the, transmute, the transmuting of his material body now into, back into infinite light. How do you go home and shake that? You're not going to have a bottle of wine. What do you do? What's your ritual and practice to like cleanse your... I went. I went straight to a Kundalini practice at Rama, a Kundalini class at Rama. Yeah, that was my way of releasing. Sort. Yeah, and it was still very much something that you know, because I, 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 I believe that you know we are divinely guided by these experiences, and we write them. We write them for ourselves before we get here. Before we get here. Oh, really? You think that? Oh, I know that. This was written. Absolutely. I was sitting on my couch. Everybody we meet, and absolutely. Okay. All these experiences. Um, traumas and trials and tribulations and promotions and relationships and deaths. And those are all stories that we have written for ourselves to experience for our own expansion. Whether or not that in those moments we have realized that, that, that contrast as such. Because there's nothing good or bad. It's all energy. So if you if you consider it within that that paradigm that there's there's no absolution within energy. It's just energy. It's 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 a concentration, um, you know. But it's also it's a contrast. It's a contrast of energies. You know, when somebody dies or a relationship ends, it's that's a contract. You know, and that contract has now ended. Oh God! Even relationships. <laughs> It's an energetic contract that you chose that person to come into your life and to bring you whatever experiences that you had with each other. And then to know that, okay, when that relationship ends, yes, that presence might end from it being a a constant in your life, but that that energy signature still lives, lives in inside you. you because those those interactions and those experience informed you you know they modeled you they 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 pushed you into these these new growth patterns you know and those growth patterns if you don't have the awareness to to see like okay that was i need i needed that to grow i needed that to be broken in a particular way in order for me to put myself back together because that old form just didn't work for me anymore. You know, that that is a trippy concept. Yeah. And that's where also the accountability and the responsibility comes in where it's like where well, you you get to choose either the neurosis that you want to continue on with your life or you can choose the path of least resistance. Oh god, I've been on that path for such a long time. I mean, have I? Yeah, I have. Okay. You no. Know? <laughs> yeah. And and we all get to choose, 
you know? And I think it's, but it's, it's, it's integrating, it's applying that. I mean, I have, you know, there was a, somebody, I recently started uh, doing these activation calls and, you know, I can't, it was, it, it was also a way of me doing a seva, like a charity that, you know, I'm not able to work with everybody, you know, whether they're, you know, they don't live in LA or, you know, financially, it's, it's just not a part of their, what they're available to do. So an activation call is a way for me to be able to create a resonance um, with whatever's going on in your life. If there's a blockage, if there's an obstacle, or if there's a particular relationship or behavioral pattern that you want to work your way out of and want to make a little bit more sense out of. The activation call is a, a way to activate that resonance in order for me to then move it out of you. It's also an interview for me to see, are we an energetic match to work together? Because there's a lot of people that, you know, they see something on Instagram, be like, oh, I heard about you from this and I want that. And they, it's like, these sessions aren't an Instagram bubble moment. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not, you're not doing a selfie. No. Not, you know, it's like they're, you know, people, people cry on the table. There are realizations that take place. Like it is profound work. Yeah. I walked in, I started crying immediately, <laughs> you know? And yeah. I think in, in that interviewing somebody is also being able to see, well, where are you on your path? Like how much are you, are you wanting to commit to, yeah, like this is a session, but are you going to continue to do the work outside of this? So activation calls are, if you're not in person. Not in person. No, it's really, it's a phone call. Oh, you phone. and I are over the phone. Not even over Skype, just no. over the phone. No, it's oh, a free, wow. it's a free phone call that I offer. Oh my goodness. I and love that. it's a, uh, yeah, it's, it's just, let's start the process because I, I want, I want you to have that intention. I want you to have that clarity. Like what exactly is that you want to focus on? I don't think, I mean, there's a lot of people that come to a session, you know, they, they think that this particular, you know, symptom or injury is, you know, that I just, I want to address this. Or then there's something that's like, no, like I keep dating this particular person or I've, you know, I've had this, um, abuse, that has, you know, lived inside me since I was a child and I don't know how to let it go and now it's infiltrating, you know, my work dynamic or my, you know, it's, how do we work through it? Um, you know, but I think the, the activation call is really a, a way for us to establish communication and, you know, s- check in to see if, you know, we can work with each other um, because I... Yeah, I, I don't think that it's, um, you know, the integrity of my work. Like, I don't want to just take your money for a session. Like, I want to know that you're, you're going to be able to sh- unpack the shit that you've been holding on to. Yeah, and that it'll serve you, that they're open to letting it serve them. Exactly. Yeah, because if people aren't open to it, even if they think they are, nothing's going to happen. No, and it's and then and then it's just kind of like a there's no integration. There's yeah. no it's like I could then I see you the next month and we're still addressing the same thing. Yeah. You know, and that's and I get that we're all on our different path. And if 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 you you know, month after month or session after session, you know, we I'm I I give you a little tough love. I'm like, "Great, right, like where where's where's this disconnection taking place?" Because yeah. we need to 
it always starts it always starts from you and so that's I like to think of myself as a little bit of like I'm a you know a electrician and I'm the you know I do plumbing and you know there's rewiring. all these rewiring kind of, yeah there's yeah. all these rewire you know it is it's a lot of you know kind of getting the circuit system back running up to you know it's most efficient optimal expression of you yeah what is kintsugi? How do you say this? Oh, kintsugi. Kintsugi yes. method? Yes. Now, what is this? What so, does that mean? So I repurposed the technique of a kintsugi. Kintsugi is a Japanese technique of repairing broken pieces with gold. Oh. So it's making things really pretty from the broken parts. Oh, God. I have so many broken parts. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. so the idea of, you know, of creating the practice with that metaphor was you know, the, the therapeutic alliance that you have with yourself to constantly meet yourself when you've fallen apart, you know, it's like, all right, then we get to put you back together again. Yeah. And you have the tools, you have that awareness that life is going to happen, but within those life experiences, how you react to it, that emotional signature imprint doesn't have that same resonance that it used to have anymore, that you're able to just, there's a, a new resiliency, you know, in your field, in your tissue where, you know, even the trigger of that person, you know, reacting the way that they do, it's like, oh, okay. Yeah. You know, they're just doing, they're doing them. They That's no, their signature. They don't have power over me anymore. No. It's like that final scene in Labyrinth, mm. which I love. Um, well, that's why I like my scars, my physical scars in my body. Because I'm like, oh, I, I survived it. Yeah. The scars, you know, and I'm stronger for it. Mm-hmm. But uh, I love the texture that this leaf blower is adding to this podcast. It's just insane. It's like louder than normal. It's, it's not really affecting our thing at all. And I've, that's happened before. But this is insane. But well, I had to talk about it. <laughs> my my one of my teachers, Gary Strauss, uh, my one of my energy teachers for craniosacrotherapy, he's uh, he calls them artifacts. So these artifacts are a part of this experience. Leaf blowers. Leaf blowers. Really? You know. So so you know because now it also then asks the listener. To really focus, yeah, yeah, pierce and through, us. yeah, pierce through the distraction, pierce through that noise, literally noise, yeah, totally of the outside world, and just that's how I feel when, when I'm find po- the truth when I'm podcasting with them. I'm like, okay, well, I just have to be even more uh, focused yes. and uh, you know pay attention to what's going on and track this information and uh, shut out the noise. But uh, shut out the noise is what I said. Anyway, um, well, how did you? Did we go through everything that you offer? There's activation call, raindrop therapy, craniosacrotherapy. And okay. We have the we do the Kinstugi method programming, which is four and eight weeks. I have a nourishing life uh, offering that those are sessions that are aligned to the eclipses, solstices, full moons. Um, it's a nourishing life is actually a term that traditional Chinese medicine uses. Uh, to address the energy body in the absence of disease. So it's a way of aligning you to the cosmic forces because, you know, we are the amalgamation, we are the reflection of, you know, as above, so below. We are the stars. So if we are in alignment to that natural flow of the universe, then you can also command a frequency and work with that 
power to to bring certain things into your life. So okay. I know that, you know, a full moon is the moment of of illumination, a full illumination. So what is it that I need to step into? What is how is it that I need to express myself and be seen in a certain way? Um, so you could just hold intention to these particular celestial landmarks and create a new flow, create a new sequence within, within how, you, how you live within life. What did you notice when I walked in, just to get the behind the scenes of my own story, not to be too selfish, but we can use me as an example. Uh, anyway, uh, yeah, when I walked in, did you see a shift in, in how I left? Yes. Like what, and what do you see? I think I'm just walking into a really chic upstairs, uh, you know, office in West Hollywood. What do you see? I uh, don't tell me. Just kidding. <laughs> I don't want to know. No, I want to know. There, you know, it's really, it's looking, I think body, body language is, is really beautiful to be able to see how somebody's, how somebody carries their story. Oh no. Do I just, am I just riddled oh, with insecurity? You no, know, no, but it was, it's, you know, but I think that's what's so incredible about witnessing, like really witnessing somebody because it's such a vulnerable place to step into. Like not, I mean, the intake form is, you know, it's five pages long. Like I'm asking for information. I want to know like where those traumas are because yes, that turns into a mapping of how I look at how these energies are living within your body, particular to accidents. But then also, okay, like I want to know, you know, do you have kidney stones? Do you have, you know, all these other factors where, yeah, that may be dealing with a kidney or gallbladder issue, then I also know that, okay, this has something to do with filtration. This has something to do with how is somebody discerning their own emotions? You know, so it's because the organs in itself have their own capacity of how they relive and tell a story. Uh, when you stepped into the room, I remember you, you, you sat on the couch and you really, you, you coiled up, you coiled up like a little girl. It was really beautiful, and it was a uh, and in the in the reading I did with you before you arrived, and then even in the actual dialogue of us being able to speak. Yeah, I mean, like the it was your inner child. Like she just sat down and she was ready to be broken open, you know. And I think it's I think that's where that that power of just showing up to allow yourself to be seen, especially when here we are in a world where we have to mask and we have to veil and we got to put the armor on and we got to, you know, the ego has to get ready to go and take on the day and, and you just get to just take it all off just for a second. And that's fine. And sometimes that's all, that's all you need. It's all you need just to be seen and just to kind of yeah, clean me up, clean up the field, you know, and I, and I don't ever use, I, I really want to always empower the people that I come into where it's not, it's not a pill. Like I'm not doing anything to you. Like people are like, oh, I felt your energy. No, that was your energy I was moving. I work with, that's, that's you. Your system actually allows me to step into that field and I'm actually moving things out of your field. So when you feel that sadness leave out of your body. That's a distortion. That's an energetic signature that was stuck to you. Yeah. 
And we get to dislodge that, you know, and then, you know, even in the, you know, the first couple days after a raindrop session, specific to a raindrop session, I always, you know, kind of inform people that, hey, this, this week might feel a little tender, you know, it always seems to happen on like the third day, but like if you have that memory or you start to feel a little raw and you don't really know why you're thinking about this person and you haven't thought about that person years, those are the dislodgings. Those are those signatures that just doesn't need to be attached to you anymore. And then now you get to just be in this truer, more pure expression of, of you. Am I back to where I started from? Can you tell? Am I back to how I when I walked into your place? Because I feel like I'm I'm coiled up like a little yeah. girl right now. Am I the same? <laughs> no. Did I no. go backwards? No, no, no. Okay. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Tell me about your training. I I did my clinical training through the Upledger Institute. So John Upledger was a uh, osteopath. He worked a, a doctor of osteopathy. Um, it was a craniosacral therapy. Was actually a practice that was um, only really allowed in the chiropractic community for a long time. And John Upledger uh, really wanted to bring it to the masses. And he actually discovered, uh, you know, that the craniosacral system, you know, dealing with the the skull, the spine, and the sacrum that there is a pulse, a living pulse, you know, the same way that our blood circulates itself, or the same way that our heart has a pulse and it beats, our nervous system also has its own fluid and its own pulse. Oh, wow. And it requires a certain amount of, of, of filtration and attendance in order for those distortions, you know, that we've acquired. And so... Upledger offers a really beautiful, you know, more science-based program, which I was pre-med very many years ago. So I think the the element of gross anatomy and dissecting and, you know, really having, you know, those kind of anatomical accuracies always really, you know, uh, really resonated with me. And it was in the clinical training that I was actually able to, uh, you know, work closely with some some of the instructors that had a language to speaking to the the energy um, on a more esoteric esoteric level, which I always felt when I was pre med just didn't exist. Yeah. I was. Um, I wanted to be a pediatrician. And so about three years in and about nine months into a rotation at UCLA Med Center doing labor and delivery and NICU and postpartum and ex- witnessing, you know, some mothers die on the table or some stillbirths, I realized I'm like, wow, the the environment and the container that this world holds does not align with how I thought medicine needed to be offered. And that was, that was hard for me. Um, I dropped out. I ended up going into architecture school and oh, then really? having to, you know, having to, you know, reroute myself, turned into a jewelry design, you know. So Were you like, in LA or did you go to New York or was it all no, LA? it was all in LA. Yeah. All in Los Were you born and raised here? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, I yeah. was too. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I think when finding Upledger and having that 
you know, really beautiful clinical and, you know, like anatomy focus, uh, but then being able to kind of speak to the more ephemeral notions of our field and uh, the the pranic life force that lives inside us. I was like, yes, this is the language that I want. This yeah. is this is where it is. Um, and I just I I it started there, and you know that was about a three year experience. And I really then just you know started to kind of call in more teachers and mentors, and ended up finding Life Energy Institute. Gary Strauss, he's an incredible. Um, incredible pioneer in the energy medicine world. From there, he introduced me to Jean Belot, who's uh, another incredible uh, energy medicine pioneer, sound therapy pioneer. And, you know, you really just start to kind of build on this architecture of what what the, the human body is, what the subtle body, because it doesn't, it's not, it's not just the flesh suit. It's you know, not just a flesh suit. It isn't. Yeah. Yeah. It's not, I mean, we are, it's not just the, the bones and the blood. Like there is a, like what, what is that spark that has lived inside us from that prime moment, you know, of conception that had its own blueprint and f- idea of how this needed to take form. You know, the, it, it starts with the spark. So essentially, so if it's mapped out, uh-huh. is there a way to go off track? There is. Because if everything is meant to be how it is and you're learning all the lessons, then, then yeah, how do we reconcile those two ideas? That you can go off track, but then you can never go off track? You could, and then you could always find yourself back. Because here we are, you know, I think there's the, you hear a lot about, you know, we're all living out our karma, And and, karma is not like good or bad. It isn't. It's like that, you know, the absolution of of energy. It's not nothing is good or bad. It's karma. You have to experience this particular life in a certain way. But when you, the karma also is aligned to particular contracts. So when you step into the dharma of what is true, to your path, you're actually able to erase the karma entirely. I barely understand that, but I so want okay. to. Yeah. So you have, you wrote your story, you know, you're in the ethers, you're a star, you're looking down, you're like, I want that mama, I want that papa, oh God. I want this life, I want, you know, you've, you've agreed to everything before really? you stepped into the body. Okay. You know, and you know that, okay, maybe based on certain past life experiences, okay, I might have to experience this relationship in a certain way. So maybe, you know, it's like your, your mom is actually your sister in a past life. And so here you are having to, you know, reconcile this sibling rivalry that you had in a past life, but here you are having to now navigate through the dynamic of a mother-daughter relationship. That's that's a karmic contract, you know? So that contract also comes with certain lessons. And so when you, you know, I think the there are prescriptive sciences that I think uh, kundalini and the yogic sciences really offer and being able to uh, remove those 
they call them samskaras. Samskaras are these uh, these afflictions that we've that we've that we've chosen to have. And so you can you know through the exercises, through the cleaning of the field, through the rewiring and the dismantling of these codes of these programs that you've identified with. And just by bringing awareness to it, sometimes you're, you like, you drop the key on that one. You, you, that, that tether to what has tied you to you experiencing life in that particular way or having relationships only in that particular way, you, you clear that contract, you clear that, you know, because you are then choosing to experience life in a new way. It's almost like the roadmap of you, you just take control of the roadmap, you know? That's astrology, I think, is an incredible science to be able to see what you came into this life wanting to learn. Yeah. You know? Because you also look at it in a way of, all right, my... You know, if, you, if you're somebody that tells me, but I'm shy, I can't, you know, I'm, I'm a shy person. I'm not supposed to do that. Well, did your mom always tell you you're shy or did somebody always tell you you're shy? And maybe that's why you think you're shy because I'm looking at your chart and I see a Mars and Leo and there's nothing, there's nothing shy about yeah. Mars and Leo, you know? So it's like, where did you lose that voice within yourself or lose that power of seeing yourself in a particular way? Because the roadmap of, of how you need to experience, you know, this body uh, actually is asking you to step into a certain power. So I think that's where, you know, having, you know, not that all of us need to be astrologers or, you know, but I think there's something really potent in being able to, you know, no different than being able to look at a, a, a lab result from a blood test and knowing where, what are your levels? Mm-hmm. Where do you stand right now? You know, like celestially, yes, your, your astrological aspects are not going to change, but you also have to realize that they're in constant conjunction with the transit of the sky that's constantly changing. So then how those energies are interacting with you and then how you absorb them um, you know, I think also gives you room to to play. It's like, oh, am I going to react in the way because I've always been told, you know, that this is how I'm supposed to be, and I'm actually not worthy of that particular because I, you know, I'm there's there's caps that we have given ourselves, but then you move beyond that mental parameter, like, oh, I'm no, I'm I'm going to do this because I know I'm capable and I know that's true to my to myself. And all of a sudden that that path of least resistance opens up because you're no longer bounded by that distortion or bounded by that noise that was really just an echo. Yeah. It's so fascinating. I was uh yeah, I want to shed I want to go the other way with everything now. It's even watching Wimbledon, like watching uh, the tennis matches and listening to these athletes just like talk about self-belief and this and that. And I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe it. This person is living their life in such a way that I I could never, or I didn't think possible. And it just got me so inspired to be like, I don't want to be insecure anymore. I don't want to worry if somebody doesn't text me back. I don't want to care about these petty things. I don't want to need reassurance left and right and put that upon another person to give to me, this and that. And I'd like to find my spark again. And so 
what would I do next if I came and saw you? Like to maybe the raindrop technique could be do this again or cranial or like what session? If I'm feeling lethargic, let's say, because I'm sure some of my listeners are feeling similar to me if they're listening to this podcast. Um, if I'm feeling lethargic and a tad lost and aimless, and I just want to like wake up to my fullest potential and just yeah find that inner spark and get back on track and just be like and have like a zest for life again. What what do I do? And I want to come and see you. What do we do? I offer a raindrop technique three series. Three series. So if you're able to commit to three sessions within a weekly context, you know, you are doing the work in a way, in a timely manner where, okay, like in within those next seven days, 10 days, we are going back. It doesn't allow your body to kind of go back into those holding patterns. So we're able to address what's showing up because every session is a, it's a peeling back of that layer. You know, so we want to dismantle and rewire in the in tandem with, you know, physically addressing, you know, what's showing up. Because sometimes it may not even be physical. You might not even have something physically showing up your body. It's really just kind of like emotional or behavioral, and I'm stuck in that. Raindrop technique, when you're able to do it at least within a, a three-series program, like you can, you can change. You can change things. Um, and also then doing the work of the exercises and, uh, and breathing techniques I give you, you are reprogramming yourself. And it really is about reprogramming you. It's like the sessions are, we're clearing the slate. We're clearing the canvas. I'm, you know, addressing your nervous system in your spine, which is the the legacy. It's the like the portal of of what you have come into this life with. So, by working on those samskaras and those those distortions and and stories, you know, we're unpacking that. So we're unpacking that weekly, you know, and then you have a moment to then see yourself in a way where. You know, it's not just one session and then I see you four months later and really haven't, you know, like how much work has taken place. You know, I think some people that come to see me, if they've never experienced a raindrop technique or craniosacral, um, I, I, I recommend raindrop because with craniosacral therapy, there is, there is very much a, uh, a trusting and an allowing of somebody to step into you and see you because the the system has a way of, you know, guarding itself because naturally, you know, that's that's how we have to kind of protect this, you know, this the sacred container that holds our heart and, you know, pumps the blood and, you know, delivers all these amazing nutrients and, you know, ability for us to just like live throughout our day. If I if you haven't done the work and you just sign up for a craniosacral session, I've, I've actually had experience, and this is even with people that I've known for years that have uh, come in for a session, 
where it's literally, it's almost like the system says, no, you can't get inside. I'm not going to let you. You know, and there's, you have to find that entry point, that trajectory of where the body is going to allow you to seek into because you have to be ready to want to change. You know, there has to be that reconciling within yourself. You know, it's not just a dentist appointment, you know, where it's like, okay, just do the work on me. Let me go. It's like, no, you, you, your body's doing the work. You are doing the work when you're on the table. It's that awareness that you bring to yourself where you just allow yourself to be opened up and seen, you know? So craniosacral therapy is more intense than raindrop therapy. Or that's like, you'd start with raindrop therapy. I start with raindrop because it, it's, a, it's a cleaning canvas. It's a way for people, for... M- somebody's system for my for my energy to be introduced to somebody's system and that creates an alliance for us to then layer on craniosacral therapy got it and craniosacral therapy is where we're able to really address the the holding patterns that are stuck within our nervous system because our nervous system is where you know it really, it really lends to the flexibility of what our reactive mind, what our thinking mind is going to allow us or prevent us to do. Because you know, your soul has a mission, but then your mind is busy doing spiraling I know. <laughs> out of control. Yeah. And your soul's like, wait, but I want to do this work and I want to be this type of person and I want, I want to accomplish this. But then your mind is more focused about, but what am I going to wear today? And how is this person going to see me? And do I need those loafers that everybody else and their mother has? Yeah. And, you know, it's... I got to run all my errands. I got to do this, that, and the other. Really? I got to make money. I got to... I'm, I'm freaking out. Does he love me? Is everything okay? Oh my God, is everybody mad really? at me? Um I did love the fact that uh, I was uh, in our session. I was like, "Wow, there's like a massage thing happening here too." Because aren't you like you also trained as a masseuse? Yeah. But that was just like a perk because I thought, whatever happens today, I don't even care because it smells really good because yeah. of all the essential oils, all the the the, the oils you're putting on me. And then you were massaging me, and I was like, "This feels amazing." Yeah, raindrop because raindrop since it is that primer. That primer session, it really is like your body needs to trust me. Your body needs to, because it's like, yeah, we're because it's your if you're if you don't even have that communication with the with the energy body yet. So I gotta I gotta allow your dense body to let me let me melt, like make contact and make communication with it. You know, so you, you realize too that, you know, like you can touch the tissue and there's an actual communication with the tissue or the tissue there's might be a little resi- a resistance. You're like, I'm going to just match and I'm going to meet you with as much as you're going to allow me to step into. I'm not going to push any further. I'm going to match you exactly where you are. And it's like the tissue listens to you and it's like, okay, I'm going to open up. I'm going to let you go in a little deeper. You know, and that's, that's the magic I think of, of, touch therapy too. What is touch therapy? Touch therapy, you know, just being able to make contact. Love it. Yeah. You know, the hug, the embrace that, you know, 
there there is a a magnitude of of how we encounter somebody you know and yeah, craniosacotherapy doesn't include the shiatsu techniques that raindrop includes. Oh, it doesn't. Okay. Yeah. Are you on a biomat still? It's still on a biomat. It always takes place on an amethyst-filled biomat. Amethyst-filled... Infrared biomat. Amethyst-filled infrared biomat. You had me there. Okay. So it's, a, it's the little helper. Like oh, you cannot, my God. Yes. What, what decadence. Yes. I mean, what a beautiful thing. Like already I mean, be like seven inches of amethyst healing capabilities being infused into oh. your body while you're undergoing a healing session. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. Bravo. Yeah. Unbelievable. I, also, just this is, uh, you're telling me about, you know, kind of making contact with my tissue and just being like, you know, I'm and just being kind and gentle and, and working yourself into my, I don't know, into me. But then I'm just thinking, oh my God, there are so many not very nice, gross men that I fully let inside of my body after meeting them at a bar. <laughs> I'm like, oh my God, what was I thinking? Thank you for being so gentle with me. You could have been a lot rougher. I'm used to it. But uh Because those are those are those are boundaries. You know? I didn't have any. Those are boundaries. And be, and nobody teaches us. Yeah, nobody especially me. Us. Yeah, nobody does teach us. Some people get taught better than others. Right. Completely. I was like fully looking for love in having sex. Yeah, and I think I always felt like I was most meditative when I was having sex, because that's when I could when I was not self-conscious at all. I'm not self-conscious. I'm calm. I'm happy. I'm not thinking. Yes. Uh, but yeah, I, 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 even today, I was just thinking about that about how, like, my goodness, I think about the relationship I'm in right now, who I am right now, how far I've come, and just thought, wow, I can't believe how how freely you gave yourself away to people who didn't deserve you and shouldn't have been inside of you. So. Yikes. Anyway. Yeah. You, you being able to change the construct of your mind of being able to receive love in a different way. In a different way. Because you, you were modeled how to receive love in a very specific way. Yeah. And then you realize, wait, this actually doesn't work for me. I don't even like how this feels. Why am I doing this? Fuck this. Yeah. I'm going to change it. And then that's where you're like, okay, that's... Here's the garbage truck coming by. <laughs> You know, the the expression of your life takes place, you know, decision by decision, choice by choice. You make you make all those. Um, you know, so even the moment to change, it's a that's all it is. It's a decision. It's a decision. Yeah. You know, but we we will harp on it, we'll resist it, we'll wait on it, we'll be like, wait, but I'm not ready yet. Like I'll start to do yoga or I'll start to stretch. I'll start to do this when when you know I have this. It's like, or you could just go and take a class. Yeah. Or you could just go and put yourself in that experience. Um, you know, and it's just it again, that's where the integration takes place. Like being so overloaded with all this information. It's like just start somewhere. See how it feels. I feel like seeing you is a good choice. Totally. I, that's what I think. Yes. That's what I know. Oh, do you feel... Oh, God. This is, these are silly questions I don't ask, but uh, I was imagining... I thought you were going to tell me that when I was laying on the amethyst-filled biomat, like a dark cloud came out of me, or were there any like monster... I'm like thinking of Stranger Things now. I'm just thinking... But did you... Uh, can, since you can see in other realms, did anything pop out of me? Any dark forces? Anything I, I scary? Remember, I remember when I was when I was working on you and you were face down on the cradle while I was doing the spinal application. I remember looking down at you and it was like looking at a, a, a small little girl in a bath. Really? And there was a moment of of like you just being like curled over in 
a bathtub and it was as I was doing the spinal application, you know, the way that a mother would just pour water over a daughter, like just, you know, rinsing the shampoo conditioner out. And it was like just rinsing the lifetime, rinsing the lifetime of, and, you know, that, that visual for me, yes, it takes place sometimes like as a hologram, um, Sometimes it's just a split-second scene that I see. Um, sometimes there are actual apparitions or uh, these, I call them, I mean, they're my galactic, you know, it's my galactic team that presents itself and there are these like light strings that begin to appear all over somebody's body, um, you know, but I, it, it, it varies, you know. Do you see anything? Person. What else do you see here now? If you don't mind me asking. I just oh, like I'm not. Because you're not doing a session, so maybe it's different. You've got to like... I'm like focused. You are. Yeah. We're just podcasting. We are podcasting no, hard, I mean, ladies and gentlemen. And there are... there are. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's the... You're, you want to you be able to tune that out. You do. It's a lot of sensory information. I bet. Um, I know. I clearly have no boundaries. Whenever my friends are like, tarot card readers, not that that's what you are. I'm just saying anybody with a gift of like, uh, if they are psychic or a tarot card reader or a healer or this and that, Reiki or anything, uh, it's, I, I'm not going to start texting you. I will have boundaries of like, hey, what are you, can you tune into me right now? Is everything? Oh my goodness. I've got to, I've, I've learned that, but uh, it's dangerous with me sometimes because I'm like, tell me everything right now. Totally. Um, <laughs> But also, do you believe that people are psychic or do you just believe that everything's going on kind of at once and if you can zoom out and see? It's, yeah, no, absolutely. I think that, that we have a, uh, we're able to stream consciousness because we're all, we're all connected. And so you even being able to sit in meditation and call upon certain mentors or, you know, I, I mean, I, I love to work with, you know, different deities and gods and uh, to be able to kind of, you know, call them in, you know, that that conscious stream of of knowledge and wisdom, you know, because if all of life has taken place, all of time has already taken place, and here we are experiencing it as this snapshots, you know, yeah. one by one by one by one, uh, you know, you are able to access those uh, those beings and those energies. Um, I think, you know, being psychic and, you know, having all the different clairs are, is really just being, opening yourself up to the realms, opening yourself up to the sensitivity of, of reading what those external energies and how you're able to catalog them within your own being. So... And I say that, okay, like, let me use this as an example where, uh, you know, you, you know, might get this, like, you know, you feel like a wave inside of you. And maybe that wave always, always, like, moves you to the right side, you know, when you experience this one particular person, you know, or engage with this one person, like, well, okay, you don't really notice that, but you start to recognize that, like, oh, I can kind of, I feel like I'm always moving in this one particular direction. And maybe you encounter another person and whatever that person is, whatever is happening in that particular person's life might resemble what that other person, you start to notice, oh, here I am moving again. 
this one. So it's like you are able to create that own dictionary, your own Rosetta Stone of how you're able to communicate with energy. That energy is telling you, okay, your body or the cue from your body is telling you, okay, we're going to move to the right. But maybe as you start to kind of sit with that information a little bit more, you put the two pattern, you put the pattern together that these two p- particular people maybe just recently experienced a loss in their life. You know, so I think that's where those psychic nuances and that psychic um, sensitivity comes into play when you are able to start to determine and discern what's taking pl- why why you're experiencing why you're reading things in a particular way. We're all psychic. We're all intuitive. We are we're all yeah. What's the best way to tap into just meditation, being getting still? Yeah, I, meditation is is key. Yeah, um, and really just being able to kind of work with that higher intelligence inside you, being able to kind of find that stillness where you know you are aware, but the mind is not running itself. Yeah, because in that higher intelligence, you also. Are you have access to the limitless quantum field in the stillness? In the stillness, because you're not witnessing, you're not, or, or you're not experiencing life through your senses, the five senses anymore. You're you're witnessing, and it's within that witnessing that there's no judgment. It's in that witnessing where the ego is not there to identify. So you you become this like vast. You know, you're able to perceive the vastness of creation, you know, and that's where that information exists. Okay. It's, I mean, it's, and it's practice. Yeah. You know, it's also just being able to sit in a park and just stare out into nothing and, you know, or like, I mean, there's this one exercise that I really love. Stuart Wilde is a really amazing metaphysician. Um, if anybody, you know, wants to kind of go into a Stuart Wilde marathon, he's no longer in body. Uh, but has a bunch of audiobooks and books to you know dive deep into. But he has some exercises where you can literally just go to a park and you know sit at a park bench and dematerialize yourself, kind of like almost like imagine. I mean, because I, mean, I mean, you can dematerialize yourself. You are because I mean, you are just you know particles of light with space in between you. So you really just kind of release the identity of you know, your dense body and just sit at that park bench and kind of just absorb yourself into that field. And then imagine that you have a stick kind of thrown across the pathway and really like become that stick. And as, you know, people pass by, you know, see if they, how they engage with that imaginary stick that you, and you're, nobody's going to fall. They might have a little trip in their step. There might be like a, you know, all of a sudden they, they stop themselves in the moment, but it's, you can, because you have to, you're able to construct the reality from your mind. And if that is your reality where in front of you is a stick, then the people that then step into that field of your reality are going to experience that stick on a certain energetic level. My God, trippy! How do I use this way of? How do I? 
how do I use this to manifest okay. the life that yes. I want? So, so this is so these are exercises in order for you to establish communication. Then, how you actually play that into your life to be able to kind of command opportunities and almost kind of control the field, um, hold people in a certain light for them to interact with you in a certain way. You know, it is a, you have to know your signature first. You have to know how, what your frequency, what your vibrational signature is. Because if you're oscillating, if you're vibrating at, you know, a not so good place and, you know, you're, you're going throughout your life, but you want, you know, you want, you want this, you want this like magical, you want the five-star moment, but you're kind of living in a one-star moment right now because energetically that's all you know how to do right now. How are you going to train yourself? You have to train yourself to be able to not only, uh, prepare to to experience the five star moment because if you're not even prepared to hold all the power um, you know if your nervous system isn't even you know prepared to uh, take on that responsibility of that promotion or that dream job or you know that you know it, you can't hold on to it it's going to like it'll it'll almost kind of cap. I mean, I have you know, there's certain people. Um, there was a client that I had recently where she was, and she's like, I have all these. I've experienced all these amazing wins in my life. You know, I've had the house and the husband and the jobs, and but I only ever hold on to them for a certain amount of time, and either I recklessly destroy them. Or, you know, like, but this is a pattern that I constantly find myself in, you know, and in that being able to dismantle, like, okay, where did that code, where did that self-worth code come into play where she was only allowed to have only so much love or so much success in her life, but then once it reached a certain cap, that's it. I can't have any more. I'm not worthy of any more. You know, and that's a code. That's a certain program. You know, if if we can update our phones and take our car in for a tune-up, if you're not upgrading your capacity to take on more, if you're not doing the tune-ups to be able to prepare your nervous system to have that job that's going to, you know, be putting you on a plane every two weeks and being global and taking on you're not going to be able to survive. You're not going to be able to hold on to that. You know? So it's like we work through, we work through just breaking down those codes in order to get your body to a place where that cap no longer exists. Oh my goodness. Yeah. Cause I, I do, I look at other people, maybe they come from very rich families, wealthy, successful, rich families, and they're just so light and effortless. I'm not saying there is no darkness to mm-hmm. them. But especially growing up in Los Angeles, you see this left and right. And there's one person I look at on Instagram all the time, even though I don't follow anybody. I go to her page and I look at her stuff and I'm like, oh my God, this easy breezy, jet setting, funny, happy. I mean, who knows what's going on? It's just a curated life. I've got to keep that in mind. But 
Yeah. And then I'm an apartment baby from Los Angeles. And then I go, oh my goodness, do I have the coding? Even though I used to be so much lighter in my early 20s, mm-hmm. my teens, I was like, I'm going to move to New York. And I did. I'm going to go do this. I'm going to go to Tokyo. I'm going to all this stuff. And then yeah, I guess life happens or, or what? I don't know. And then it's, and I'd hate to think I have the coding because I feel like I'm, I'm I feel like I'm such a magical person and yet I don't want to be sabotaging myself and I want to be expansive. So yeah, any any work and tips or sessions to do are, uh, I don't know, exciting. Because yeah. I don't know. It's just like, yeah, it does come down to self-worth, doesn't it? It's, uh, yikes. And it, how we hold on to things. I mean, I was reading a... And an old, it was a, an old article on the anxiety that, you know, kids have these days. Oh, they do? Yeah. So. Yeah. Yes. That makes and sense. it's like the, the, the amount, the levels that a 17 year old infl- has inflicted, the amount of anxiety that they absorb is akin to a psych ward patient in 1950. Really? Yeah. They're like, because I got to be a billionaire, like Kendall Jenner. I've got to be like Kylie Jenner. It's like, whatever, 18 years old and the cover of Forbes, right. you know? Right. Yeah. So they're essentially experiencing life on an, an insanity level of anxiety. Yeah. Like that is, I mean, what that does to your 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 values of of what you're able to achieve yeah. you know the parameters or you know the expectations that you know your parents want you to achieve because of the name that you hold and you know the 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 you are a legacy you know you th- that's that's a lot it's a lot for somebody to to have to like work through and navigate when you're just trying to just deal with puberty and the hormones of your own body just changing. Knowing everything that you do now, everything that you work with, how does it, how does it make you live life differently now? Like what is the day to day for you just to be, I feel like you're so tapped in and tuned in and like to what matters or what's important, but you're just a human being. But yeah, how does this knowing all this stuff affect your life and your day to day? And a lot of I think there's been a lot. It, some of it has been very lonely because I think in in me being able to really, I mean, I'm to work with clients. I have to set myself to another level of boundaries because energetically, I know that I need to have a certain practice and self care ritual in order for me to discern what is what is mine and what is not somebody else and not to ever project my own what I've worked through and bring that into a session. Um, you know, I think my my relationships and my friendships have changed quite a bit and even the 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 landscape of those friendships, some of them just don't exist anymore because how I've needed to interact with the world, you know, I know that some of those friendships really relied on me being a certain way and me, you know, so as I've gone through these changes and not really needing those same type of uh, stimulus um, and, you know, the conversations and, you know, I don't, you know, it's, I, it's, it's almost like it saddens me to put myself into those situations because I've, 
you know, I'm able to pick up a lot more than what people always present themselves. And I think in in me stepping into this role, I've also, uh, you know, the thousands of dollars of retreats and workshops and certifications and plant medicine journeys and shamanic experience that I've experienced, like I've also realized that it's not my role to point out other people's where they need fixing, you know, because yes, I'm so receptive because that has been my, um, my, my path, my path in being able to kind of break myself open and figure out what it was I was really meant to do while I'm here in this body. And being receptive to being able to hear like, no, this is, this is where I need expanding. This is where I need growing. This is where I need to work on this trauma that I thought I was over. No, it still shows up in this particular way in my life. I know that I need to eat a very specific way. And, you know, I can feel that, you know, it's just because I have those restrictions and rule set for myself to be so compassionate and sensitive to somebody else, wherever they are on their path, that unless they come to me for help, it's not my role. Oh yeah, that's boundaries. To point that out. Yeah. Yes. Because even somebody leaving some information out on an intake form, even if it's just something so sub oh, I didn't even see it was there. No, that's a boundary. Oh, what do you that, mean? No, like uh, you know, if somebody chooses not to share uh, you know, certain information about themselves. That's okay. It's absolutely okay because that in itself is a boundary that they aren't fully ready to reveal. Yeah. You know, so you reveal, you reveal what you want to work on, you know, because every day is a new day. You might be ready to be seen in a different way. You might be ready to then admit to, okay, I might do that and I didn't even realize. But you see life as you are. So yes, I'm, I'm seeing life from a very particular way because I've broken it. I've broken it open, you know, being able to kind of see those um, psychological imprints or even the, the developmental uh, shifts that takes place in us, like when we have those traumas take place in our life. So, you know, when I ha- now have that knowledge and I have a conversation with somebody, you know, randomly at a at an event and they share that little glimpse, like I might read it and interpret it and understand it in a different way than how they're veiling it to me because they're spoon feeding me something that is a, uh, it's a boundary for them. That's how they want to be seen. Yeah. You know? And that's, and that's where you have compassionate of meeting somebody with where they are, meeting the tissue with where they are, meeting the nervous system. You know, it's, it's, you meet the person with where they are on that day, regardless of the fact that they're coming to you and they want to address this. It's, they might have gone to an, a car, have gone to a car accident the night before or, you know, lost their job. And it's like, all right, let's now let's just add that to the equation of what else we need to unpack. Yeah. Um, yeah. And just having the grace, having, I think having that grace and knowing that, um, you know, I, th- I know my relationship with my father had changed drastically with really coming into this work because I also know that uh, a lot of his toxic behavior was 
I would never, I would never let that in if it was a client or a stranger. Why would I allow that if it's my father? Same. You know? Yeah. Gary Shandling talked about that too. Like I don't talk to my father yeah. because, yeah, it's not good. And, that, and, and, and I think our culture also really makes you feel guilty oh, because there's a tribal mentality yeah. of if you leave the pack, you are abandoning them. When no, if you've if you've left the pack, then probably maybe that that community is not feeding you, is not supporting you in the way that you need to be able to grow into the person. It's actually it's just stunting you entirely. It's a really it's strong bringing you back into a holding pattern, a pain body that doesn't work. Yeah, it's a really strong choice to actually yeah. take responsibility and go, yeah. I'm getting out of here. Exactly. This is not working for me. I'm going to protect myself. I'm going to yeah. reparent myself. I'm going to have boundaries. Uh-huh. I get that all the time when people are like, oh, but you should really try to work it out. You know, blah, blah. You're going to feel bad if you pass away. I've heard that so many times that I always have to tell people, don't do that thing, please. Right. Please don't do that. Right. And I heard Gary Shandling being interviewed and yeah, he was saying that too. Yeah, like if if your friend was saying like they got really, they kept getting beaten up by a boyfriend, you wouldn't say like like physically or mentally mm-hmm. or whatever because mental abuse is horrible. Mm-hmm. And you wouldn't say, "Oh, I'll go back to him, give him another," you know, mm-hmm. just because they're blood related. Exactly. And it's like, and that's where also the idea of family is a construct. Oh wow! Yeah, you know the the nuclear family is a program white picket fence, the let's work nine to five and you need to work blood, sweat and tears in order for you to be successful. That is a program. We've evolved from that, you know, and I think a big part of us really awakening that consciousness is knowing, oh, I I don't have to subscribe to that anymore. And again, it's a decision. And yeah, those are hard and they're uncomfortable. And when you first set those boundaries, especially when you've never set them before, it doesn't feel good. And you are, your heart, like you don't even know what to say, like your heart. And then actually, once you start setting those boundaries, it starts getting easier. Oh God, yeah. Set the boundaries. Yeah. That's all I want to do is set boundaries right. and make bold choices like that. Yeah. Where I'm like, I'm taking responsibility for myself. I'm taking action and making the world the way I want my world to be. Yeah. That is so nice. So look, I think the 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 setting the boundaries, kind of embracing that, you know, a part of following the path, I think also is um, it's a personal one, you know. So I think when you start to share those experiences with other people, it's like yours doesn't need to look like what that other person felt like or what that person experienced. It's a personal one. I like that you say that because so often I'm like. I have this, nobody's saying this to me, but in the back of my mind, I I feel like I need permission from somebody else. And it's just this gnawing voice in my head. Just like a side note, just like I feel like whoever I'm dating at the time, uh, I always feel like whoever I'm dating is living in my mind. Like they're just living in my head. That's how it's always been for me. It's still that way. That's fine. That's fine. It's actually nice. It's cozy. It's great. I'm connected. That's like when you're talking about being like psychically connected or Uh a contract, a sacred contract with somebody. And the contract leaves them living in my head and then they're out of there kind of when it's over. But um, oh God, what was I even saying? Something about, uh, oh God, wait, contracts living in my head. Oh yeah, I feel like the path is a personal one and I feel like I always need permission 
And I'm just really trying to shake that idea that I need permission from anybody because I see other people living their life, mediocre white men, just having so much, you know, just feeling so proud and, and fearless and entitled and, and brave, you know, not needing permission for any, anyone. And I'd like to, I'd like to be more like that. Because yeah. we, all, we all know that one person that when something happens they have to run to about 10 different people, tell the story, and ask what they did. Was that the right move? Oh, my God. I'm trying to get rid of those people in my, who are in my life still. Right. And I used to be that person. Right. And I don't want to be that person anymore. And I know people, because I ask them, they cut me out of their life because I was that person. Uh-huh. And it was too much psychic energy for right. them with my loop mentality. So yeah. Yeah. Go on. No, I mean, there. So, how, you know, like, so, you, so then you're, you're seeking the external responses from outside of you. And that's also, that's a big thing, too, where I, I think Why? religion comes into play of that kind of, you know, knowing that that force is outside of you versus something that is inside you. You are the reservoir of those resources. You are your own God. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, you have the life force, the God force inside of you and it's about, and it lives inside of you and you have those moments of synchronicity and, you know, where magic is real. And I think when you are open to allowing the world to reveal itself in that way, you know, that's, that's, that's where that communication, that's where that interaction and that sacred play of the universe is like, okay, I know now you see me, so I'm going to keep showing myself to you. That's so interesting because I just had that thought the other day where I went, oh, I don't know. Am I doing it right? Is it okay? Should I not do this? And then I went, no, what do you want to do? I want to do this thing. And then I went, okay, trust. And it's meant to be this way. Like I didn't put, uh, whatever, I, I didn't do something I normally do, whatever. I was down on myself and I went, just trust that it's supposed to work this way and get out of your own way. Mm-hmm. And oh, and, and it was so weird because I always talk about trusting the universe or, or like uh, synchronicity or just, you know, it is all planned out or whatever, but I never really live that way. Most of the time I don't. Sometimes I do. And uh, I do want to say one thing. Don't go. Stay where you are. I can't remember now. Wait, something's coming. Oh, I don't know. Oh, but being our own gods, tapping into our stillness, mm-hmm. meditation, making a nicer choice for yourself in every moment because every moment is a choice. What are you going to do? Am I going to go, uh, you know, uh, get high? Am I going to go smoke the thing or am I going to go do a raindrop, <laughs> a raindrop therapy sesh with you? You know, I mean like one choice is, uh, is nicer for me than the other, but yeah, that's how you take control of your life mm-hmm. and, and are the God of your own life. Yes. But, uh, and also I'm, I think I want to do all these things. We have goals. It's nice. It's some people have no goals or aimless. They don't know what they want to do. It's nice when you have an idea of what your purpose is and what you want to do when you have all these things you're reaching for. But then I find that when people get these things, I don't know if you, you hear Jim Carrey, you hear people talking, it's only when you get the things that you realize that those things can't make you happy, but you have to get them before you realize those aren't the answers. 
Do you agree with that? Absolutely. It's the, because it's the, the I have where the ego needs to collect. The ego never has enough. It just wants to consume. And here we are living in a consumer mentality where you are just, you're seeking that feeling tone of that advertisement or that Nike shoe and how that campaign made you feel and I can do it. I'm going to be running through the streets of downtown LA in my new shoes and I'm an empowered woman. And I've got my life together. Yeah. It means I'm allowed to exist because I'm thriving. Yeah. And that, you know, and, and that's a feeling tone that the culture and these institutions have mastered because they know that that's what's going to hook, line, and sinker you into consuming that product, acquiring that item. It's, it's a fleeting moment of, of serotonin and that gets released through your system. And then once you have that shoe or once you have that car and once you have that outfit. Now, I need yeah. something else. I need something more because yeah. now, now what, what exactly is you're doing, you're just training your system to seek out and lean out and keep reaching out for something. External validation. Exactly. Oh, God. Same with boyfriends, sex, this and that. Like, if I can't give it to myself, nobody else can give it to exactly. me. Exactly. It's so interesting because I remember if my father would always like me, and we will land this plane at some point. It won't be seven hours, I promise. But uh, uh, he would always like me the most when I was working or from on television or this or that because it was a projection. For, it was like, if I'm on TV or I'm doing something or I'm making a lot of money, that's about him. So then he's happy I'm his daughter. But then it's interesting because, again, I guess major cities, London, Paris, New York, Los Angeles, I have to always ask myself, yeah, going back to like the, the fame thing, is that such a, a crazy thing that, that you deal with where it's like the goal is to be rich, to be famous, to be like, or I go, why am I hanging out with this person? Am I fascinated by them? Are they interesting? Am I happy? Do I like how I feel when I'm around them? Or is my alignment with them, uh, does that make me feel worth something? Because they're choosing to be with me. If I'm hanging out with this famous person, even if they're vile or irritating, and I don't really even like them, me being with them means I'm, I'm all right. I'm cool. They choose to be with me. So I've got to like ask myself that because that's just as bad as what my father would do with me. If I'm looking cute, if I'm this and that, then I'm worthy. And that's a horrible feeling to like, that's what, anyway, I'm just... Yeah, because it, it comes with stipulations. With stipulations. Yeah. It's not, it it's not with, unconditional. No. Yeah. 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 You have to be a certain way in order for me to love you in that way. Or you have to, you have to be of a certain... Caliber. Caliber. Yeah. Exactly. In order for me to want to, you know, consider you. But then I feel so lazy. If I were to go, you know what? I love my home. I've got a great boyfriend. He's kind. I love going to the beach. I like going to the beach on the weekend. Uh, you know, having enough money to just be able to pay my bills. It doesn't need to be outlandish. I don't need a yacht and cocaine and this and that or private jets. But then I feel like, wait, am I, am I just being lazy? I have to be always wanting something and feel shame and upset and disappointed in myself because this is, these are the confines I've, I've constructed. Right around me, but I'm so used to that. I'm never enough. I'm not doing enough. You know, this person's doing that. I'm not doing enough. Fuck. Like they won't want to hang out with me. I'm not contributing enough. And, and I'm saying this about myself because I just feel like the personal is universal. So I'm just trying to be as honest with you. And I don't mean to like make it all about me, but it is my podcast. How dare you? Anyway. Um, 
But I feel like that's how people operate. And I, I'm talking to all these people and, and I look at their curated lives on Instagram, even though I don't follow them anymore. I still seek out their pages and I go, wow, you look like you're thriving, but then they're miserable too. So I'm like, yeah, what is the answer? I, I don't know. And you're also wearing all white. And I feel like, is that a thing I should be doing more? Because I do that sometimes and I always feel very whimsical. Is this a thing? It is the gateway drug to happiness. Tell me why. Wearing all white? All white. Because what? you are, you are. I'm wearing all black, by the way, just as an auditory oh, experience. No, <laughs> as, as oh my God, you're... I'm the devil. <laughs> I, wear, I wear all black when I want to get focused, when I want to just kind oh of God. curl in and internalize and, and, you know, I have a task that needs to be done. I can't believe you're saying that because that yes. is why I'm wearing this outfit. It's my boyfriend's oversized shirt with my high-waisted twill leggings available at Target. Yes. Uh, I wear this because I think this is going to be my cool, effortlessly chic uh, Patty Smith writing outfit. I know that sounds ridiculous and insane. I'm aware of what I'm saying, but I actually mean it. Anyway, you're, thank you. You are, you're, you're trying to channel some creativity. Yeah, you're because you are you essentially this kind of like sword that is carving itself through space and time. When you are in a, you know, I wear white as a way to not only neutralize myself within a session and not bring, you know, bring, but you are activating and illuminating the radiant body of your light being. Oh my goodness. So that in itself is you're already vibrating on a higher level by encompassing this type of Bana and Bana is the the wardrobe that is uh, that commands a certain type of power. All white, well, or all black. Bana Bana is a um, Bana is white is, or black. Is, is 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 your wardrobe? It is what is whatever your armor, whatever it is that is going to invoke the energy in order for you. I use the Bana of white. I love it. Yeah. To to expand my radiant body. Yeah. But I think, you know, it's like your yeah, wardrobe is always a, a powerful totem to be able to uh, create a resonance. Today I'm a powerful sword. Cutting yes. through whatever you force think. force space. Yeah, it's the force space and time. You hear that, you guys? I can't believe it. Oh my goodness. Oh my God. Um, I, I'm either in all white or all black. So I love it. No, this is great. Um oh my goodness. I did have one more question before we land this plane, but, uh, oh yeah, I did feel, I did feel like, uh, yeah, like my session with you was a, it was like a, yeah, massage for my soul Mm -hmm. and my nervous system. Yes. And, uh, I look forward to doing more work with you at some point because I don't want to, I don't know. I don't want to revert back to being a piece of garbage. Just kidding. I'm sorry. Stop it. My worth. I know. I'm sorry. I'm not conscious. I know. I have. My mom is always telling me. She's like, "Can you please stop? You know, whatever. I'm not going to repeat what I've I've said in the past. I'm trying to get better with it. Um, It is because it is a sound current. Oh God! It is the current. It is your pranic. You know. It is the. uh, It's it's a life force. It's the thread of life that connects you to this world. And as I breathe out, you breathe in my life force. As you breathe out, I breathe in your life force. We are experiencing that thread with everybody that exists. You know, and the 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 language, the the current of the words that you use holds a vibration. It holds a charge. Um, I recently changed my my name and I recently received a, a spiritual name, Atma Livpriya. 
And it was a way for me to dismantle the identity that my given name, Nanaki, everything that was subscribed to or everything that was identified to, to that world um, and to those experiences. And I, you know, that passed and it was a way for me to step into alignment with that, that cosmic nod, that cosmic current that is, you know, for my highest self. Um, so I think for, for all of us to be like incredibly conscious with the language that we use, even if it's you just taking a breath before you say anything, because if you just, you take a breath and then you say something from your heart, those first words that you would have chosen would never have been spoken. You know, it's like you, you to, to reconnect with what is true and anything that comes from your heart has to bypass the avenue of expression and then becomes your formal expression of life. Oh my goodness. Now I'm like completely inspired to make better choices and make powerful choices to get me in alignment. Mm-hmm. I remember meeting a woman and she changed she had changed her name, this woman I was working with. And I had never this was many, many, many years ago. I had never heard of anyone doing that. I just didn't wasn't aware of it. And I remember telling my therapist, oh, she changed her name. You know, is that odd or what is it? And he was like, no, it's a very powerful choice, you know, to shed, Mm -hmm. you know, it's a beautiful, powerful thing to do to take care of yourself and to, yeah, to take who you are. You you take ownership of it, Mm -hmm. which is so lovely. I know for me sometimes I don't even want to hang out with certain people because they know me as the old me and I don't want to see myself reflected in their eyes like that. So I'd rather just start over. I don't know if there's a better way to do that, but I'd like to just say goodbye to an old way because I just can't help but turn into the person I was with them and, and, and relive that dynamic. But yeah, anyway, what is next for you and where do we find you? What is next? I mean, I'm, I'm, I just recently relaunched the website. It took about nine months of, you know, kind of being within the practice to really curate and sit with what are those offerings? How is it that I can be of service in the way that I've felt is now my calling? Uh, so, yeah, please visit the website. I'm going to be, you know, looking forward to doing some some workshops on esoteric anatomy and medical astrology, just to be able to give people a uh, more insight to how to how to work with what it is that you already know of yourself and be able to see yourself. Um, you know, beyond beyond the flesh suit. How to work with what you're working with. Yeah. So it's atmalivpriya.com. And then if you want, they want to find you on Instagram, it's at Nanaki. Yes. And uh, and I guess I'll, I'll have already said all the dates of, uh, of your seminars or your, of workshops in the intro. So that'll live there. Um, well, thank you so much for taking the time and being on my podcast. Thank and you for having me, darling. Oh, goodbye. Bye. Bye.